Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We want to welcome you to our brand new series called Yes and Amen, where Pastor Nick talks about how to access the promises that are available in Christ. We're excited to see God's promises be fulfilled this year, and we want to invite you to join us in-house on Sundays at 11 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel to keep up with Sunday's messages every week. We love you, and now let's go into today's message. Somebody and say, this is the year of your promises fulfilled. This is it, I'm telling you. They're going to they're gonna happen for me. Me three, me four, me five. Well, praise the Lord. So today I'm super tired. I got up at 3 a.m. this morning. I was praying and preparing. The Lord wakes me up at 3 a.m. And then I know I got to get up. Look at the person next to you and say, when the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night, you need to get up. Because if you want to hear what he has to say, he's not going to talk to you while you're lying in your bed. You need to get up. You've got to get in a position to hear him. Get your iPad out, get your book out, get your whatever, and position yourself to hear from God. Can you say amen? A lot of people want to hear from God, but they never put themselves in a position to do so. And next month, look at somebody and say, next month, we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God. How does God speak? How do you discern the voice of God? Amen. And I'm really, really excited about that. The month of February, we've dedicated to praise. I don't know if you're ready for this. This is a month of praise. And the reason we've dedicated this as a month of praise, firstly, because the Lord told me to, but secondly... That's the prime reason. Because when God makes a promise, you can count on Him to fulfill that promise. He's not going to make you a promise, and it's a lie, where He's giving you false hope, and it's not going to come to pass. And so you celebrate because God said. Can you say amen? And you celebrate because you know the character and the nature of God, that He doesn't lie. He's faithful generation to generation. And if God said it, He's already telling you what's happened. He always talks about the end from the beginning. So when God says, this is the year where the things that I promised with my mouth, I'm going to fulfill with my hands, it's already done. He's telling you what's coming. And so we're going to give God praise in advance because it's already happened. So we're celebrating. And we're going to celebrate the month of February through the rest of the year. Can you say amen? But we need to dive into the Word and take a look at what praise is, what praise isn't. And I'm excited about what's getting ready to be unlocked in this place. So, Father, we thank you today for your Word. And, Father, I thank you today that I can just step into the anointing, that I don't have to rely on my strength, my ability, but I can just rely on you. And Father, this month, this month of praise, I thank you, Father, that there's coming a breakthrough, that there's coming an increase in our praise. There's coming a change of the atmosphere and the sound in our hearts, God. And Father, I thank you that as we preach your word, 
that you reveal to our hearts the things we need to hear, the things we need to know, the things we need to see. By your Spirit, in Jesus' name, can you say amen? So, last week I started talking to you a little bit about, you know, the club world. I started talking to you a little bit about the drug world, the party world, and that alcohol is a counterfeit. You're not excited, but it's true. Alcohol is a counterfeit to the wine of the Spirit that brings joy to your heart. What happens when you drink alcohol? You get lightheaded. You start feeling good. You forget about your problems, and you start losing your... uh, You just get free. Is this true? All the drinkers know what I'm talking about. You feel relaxed. You start giggling. Right? All the ex-drinkers know what I'm talking about. That's better. And then there's, there's LSD. Right? You hallucinate. You get to see things. But it's a counterfeit to true vision from heaven to see the things that God has for you in the future. It's taking space in your imagination so that you can't see the things God has for you. You're just getting lost in some fake world that a drug is producing something that's not real. People that, you know, cannabis, smoking, you know, you just feel peace. Well, that's fake. There's the real peace of God. Because when you come out of that, that high, that temporary high, all your problems are still there. You know, then people go into ecstasy because they want to feel love. They want to have all these emotional feelings. Well, the love of God is pure ecstasy. And you don't need to go to all these counterfeit sources. And then you've got your opioids. You've got all your pharmaceuticals. That numbs the pain. And because the condition of people's hearts are so messed up, they don't know how to find relief. They don't know how to find freedom from these things. They have to run to the counterfeit to try and give them temporary relief from the world of chaos on the inside of them. And what you need to understand is God wants to come into your world because this is the world you live in. Take your finger and go around the world. This is the world that you live in. These, what, you, what you see in your mind, how you see in your mind as a man thinks in his heart, that's his reality. And if your reality is victim mentality, your reality is I don't have enough, your reality is life is hard, your reality is why do they have all this stuff and I don't have it, you're living in a world that's miserable. And you, you go with you everywhere. You got to lie down with you. You're the you're the first person that you sleep with every night. Your conscience. And if your conscience is feeling guilty, your conscience is dealing with all this stuff. You're not having rest at night. You're not sleeping. There's no peace on the inside of you. And God wants to come and bring his light into darkness. God wants to come and take out all these things that are causing you uh, a world of pain and misery. And he wants to bring you into his presence. 
where you can feel his love, where you can experience peace, where you can have true vision for your life so you've got hope and you know where you're going and you know why you're here and you understand your purpose. And he's just going to pour out the new wine. Holy Ghost, get you full of joy. Because when you're drunk on the wine of heaven, you believe you can do anything. You believe you can fly. You believe you can touch the sky. And you dream about it every night and day. Should be a song. I got jokes, and I'm multiplying. <laughs> so, you know, and people say, well, they laugh in church. What's wrong with them? Well, you laugh at the bar. What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's the only place you laugh. The rest of the, your life is miserable. <laughs> and so... You know, God in the Old Covenant, you know, God's still the same, right? He doesn't change. God in the Old Covenant hated pagan worship. Think about worship for a second. Uh, people gather together to worship. It's usually on a special day or a holy day or for some celebration. People gather together and they go to a place to worship, to honor their God, to give thanksgiving to their God to pray to their God, to uh, seek their God, to bring worship to their God. And they come to an altar. There's usually a sacrifice that happens. You know, you're giving a sacrifice, whether it's a sacrifice of the sheep or the goats or whatever, money. There was always, there was value that you brought to honor your God. And with pagan worship, they set up idols, and these idols, was, they were images that represented who their gods were. And in, in Canaanites, in the, in the Canaanites and the Old Covenant, they had all kinds of different gods with all kinds of different symbols. And you know the story about Moses. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. They went into the wilderness. They come to the mountain. The glory of God is on the mountain. The fire of God on the mountain. God calls Moses to go up. He's up there for 40 days, 40 nights. The people now, they're like, where is this guy Moses? What happened to him? So they go to the priest Aaron and they say, Aaron, we need you to make us the gods that we used to serve in Egypt so that we can worship. And so they took the gold, they took the earrings, they took uh, the, the, the stuff that they stripped from the, from the Egyptians when they came out and they melted it down, and they made a golden calf. And so at the foot of the mountain, here's God on the mountain talking to Moses. At the foot of the mountain, they're building idols. And they're saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. That made God extremely angry. Look at the person next to you and say, there's only one God. And he says, don't make idols. Don't make a graven image. Don't um, bow down to some image. God doesn't like that. And so, when you read the story, God actually fashioned, He formed the Ten Commandments and wrote them out on the tablets of stone with His own hand. 
And Moses comes down the mountain. God tells Moses, I'm going to kill these people. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses has a conversation with the Lord and says, listen, if you kill these people, what are, what are the surrounding nations going to say? You delivered him out of Egypt with a mighty hand only to kill him in the desert. And then he says, you made a promise to Abraham. Oh, man. Do you put God in remembrance of the promises that he's made to you? And so God decided not to pour out his wrath on the people. But when Moses came down and saw the golden calf, he saw these people worshiping. What were they doing? They were dancing. They were singing. There was music. There was drinking and partying, revelry. And so it's the same. People still today are gathering together, putting up an image, dancing, singing, having a party, drinking, getting drunk, but it's actually worship. It's actually praise to their God, and they don't even know that they're doing it. And I came out of that world. Anybody else come out of that world? It's false. It's fake. You know, when you, when you look at when you look at the city of Corinth, where Paul was, and Corinthians, they actually had a temple in the city that was to uh, Aphrodite. And she was the goddess of love. She was over marriages. She was the goddess of beauty. They had a thousand prostitutes in that temple. And it wasn't just giving God lip service. There, was, there were sex acts that were performed in the temple as an offering of worship to the God. That was the heart of the city. And so you see all of that happening around the worship. The covenant of marriage isn't sacred. And just sleeping around, doing whatever you want to do. And it's all against God's will. It's all against God's principles. It's all against what God has designed for your life. And you have to break out of that stuff. Can you say amen? And so, you know, I come from the club world into the church world. And do you know that there are hundreds of thousands and millions of people all over the world that gather together at raves and at events and they offer worship, and they don't even know they're doing it. Last week, I started talking about, in the Hebrew language, there are seven different words, and there's more. But these are the primary seven words that describe the one-word praise that we have in English. So when you praise Him on the instruments, that's zamar. When you praise Him with a loud shout, that's shabach. When you praise Him with your hands lifted, that's yada. When you praise Him with song and music, that's tehillah. When you praise Him by kneeling down, that's Barak. When you give Him the sacrifice of praise, that's Tauda. When you praise Him in the dance and with high praise, that's Hallel, which is the root word to hallelujah. And so we have one English word, praise, but here there's different forms of praise. There's clapping. There's shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. There's the lifting of the hands. There's dancing. There's clapping. There's jumping. That's all part of true praise. When you read the book of Psalms, you're going to read, clap your hands, all you people. 
You're going to read, worship the Lord on the instruments. You're going to hear, worship the Lord with a mighty shout. You go through all the Bible, you find out that praise is loud. And then we come to our churches. Praise the Lord. Praise. Boring. For me, it didn't gel with me. That's why we're wild in here. Because this is, this is the level that God wants us to be on. And I think there's another level and we're going to go there. Let me show you some pictures really quickly. Let's analyze these pictures. So this is what a rave looks like. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. But hundreds of thousands of people will camp out for a weekend. And they will set up an altar. And they'll have an image. And what are these people doing? They're clapping. They're dancing. They're singing. They're having sex. They're partying. Give me another picture. And you will see it on, on all of it. Look at that. Let's go worship. I was looking at the tickets for this event. It starts at around $600. Goes all the way to $5,000 to have the package experience. So they're coming to bring their money in honor to worship. They have a DJ that they set up as a god. And people have a problem when we're raising our kids, dancing, singing, shouting, clapping their hands unto God with a voice of triumph. People have a problem when the anointing and the true spirit of God comes upon people and they fall out under the power and they start having joy hit their hearts. God setting them free from the hurt and the pain that's on the inside of them. When people have visions and encounters, oh, that's too much. It's a cult. If we do not raise this generation, that's where they're going. And I'm telling you, before I die, look into my eyes. Before I die, there will be a day where I will have my own producers, and we're going to raise up a standard against this mess. And what we see happening here on a Sunday morning is just the beginning of the wave that's coming. Can you say amen? And so we're not going to get involved in pagan worship, nor are we going to release our kids to go to these environments. Can you say amen? And God is raising up a standard. He didn't deliver me from that world just to play church. No, we're going to raise up a standard in the world that's stealing the lives of millions of people. Can you say amen? And if I only lay the foundation, that's fine. But this next generation is not going to settle for anything less. Can you say amen? Thanks, Lex. And so, Psalm 100 verse 4 says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. So thanksgiving is when we thank God for what he's done. Look at somebody and tell him, thanksgiving is thanking the Lord for what he has done. And you can bring an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. When the Lord gives you a breakthrough, when the Lord answers your prayer, when the Lord fulfills a promise, you should bring the Lord a thanksgiving offering, which is two things. One, thanksgiving with your mouth, but secondly, a gift in your hand.
I'm just trying to help you. What is praise? Praise is about declaring who God is. Look at somebody and tell them praise is declaring who God is. Because we know that God is faithful. He doesn't change. He is holy. We know that God doesn't violate His own laws or His own principles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful, and His faithfulness endures generation to generation. And so we praise God for who He is. We don't praise God for what He's done. We thank God for what He's done, but we praise Him for who He is. When I was doing that series last year on the kingdom, I I got into studying the culture of kings. And I found out that when the kings would have banquets with their people and the, the nobles and whatever, there would be people that would get up and like raise a glass and they would say, our king is the wealthiest king that has ever lived. Right? Somebody would get up and say, our king is the most gracious king that we've ever known. And so as they would praise the king, the king would now have to demonstrate the thing they're praising him for. So if somebody would get up and say, our king is the wealthiest king, then he would say, go to the treasuries and bring me the gold that we got from the temple of blah, blah, blah. And they would come and parade the wealth of the king. Or he would say, well, go to the treasury, get the coins from the treasury and go bless the community, he would demonstrate his wealth. Oh, our king is the most gracious king. He's merciful. Oh, let's release a hundred prisoners. And he would show his grace. He would show his mercy. When you praise God as a healer, guess what he's going to do? He's going to show up and demonstrate that he has the power to heal. When you praise God as the provider, because that's who He is, He shows up in your life and He demonstrates His ability to provide. This is the culture of a king. You cannot declare something about a king and him not show that he is able to do what you believe he can do. And so we don't praise God for what He's done. We praise God for who He is. And it's in that praise that He shows up to deliver you out of whatever it is you're going through. That's why it's called yet praise or a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because in that moment you have these things coming against you, but you don't feel like praising. But you know the power of praise gets God's presence into the circumstance. And so when you need healing, when you need financial breakthrough, when you need deliverance, when you need God to come and break the heaviness out of your heart, what do you do? You begin to call on His name and declare who He is. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God, my provider. And I praise Him because He has the ability to provide. And when you declare His praises before other people, He's got to show His ability. Can you say amen? I need healing in my body. I declare you Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals. And so when you start to understand what praise is about, praise is about declaring the character, the nature of who God is. And when you praise Him for those things, He shows up and demonstrates what He's capable of doing in your life. Say, Thanksgiving 
It's about thanking God for what He has done. But praise is about declaring who He is. And the, the platform of praise invokes God to move in your circumstances and your situations. But in the moment, you do not feel like praising. In the moment, you've got all this stuff coming against you and you feel the weight of it coming against you. What do you want to do? You want to use your mouth to complain. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what you speak, you establish. So now the devil shows up in your life to confirm what you're talking about. Why? Because you're activating the demonic realm with your mouth. Just like you activate the angelic realm with your mouth. But what is in your heart and what are you looking at? Are you looking at the power of your God or are you looking at the limitation of your hand? And so when you begin to understand this concept and you begin to really understand what praise is all about, praise brings the presence. And when the presence comes, God speaks. And when God speaks, it's finished. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. See, I can talk, I can just get up here and talk what Nicholas wants to talk, but we're going to talk about what the Lord has to say, amen? And this stuff has been stirring in my heart for a couple of weeks already. But the Lord was really telling me, look, we need to deal with pagan worship today. We've got to show people what fake worship is all about. We've got to break people out of the mindset of running to natural things for breakthrough. That you've got to run to God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And if you understand what you're doing with praise, there's power in it. It's a weapon. But if you don't understand the weapon that you've been given, you think it's a show. No, it's an opportunity to get a breakthrough. It's your opportunity. Even if you don't like the song, stand there and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands. But a lot of parents just want to watch their kids. Put your feet up, entertainment on Sunday morning. And that's one of the gods we have to get rid of in our lives, is the God of entertainment. I think that's America's biggest problem. And it's going throughout the world where we're so glued to our devices to be entertained, to laugh, to, you know, and it's stupid stuff. All these videos that you scroll through, it's ridiculous. It's people falling on their heads. People slapping people. It's people doing stupid stuff. And you spend hours a day watching stuff, and you're filling your temple with nonsense. And what it's doing is it's dumbing you down. Second Chronicles chapter 20. So this is a story about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king. He came a hundred years after Solomon dedicated the temple to God. Four kings later, about a hundred years later, King Jehoshaphat shows up. I'm not going to be able to say that name without putting a smile on my face now. And when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, we read that when we started talking about God fulfilled the promise to uh, Solomon's father, David, his servant. And he said the promise that he made with his mouth, he would fulfill with his hands. Well, the promise that God made to, to David was that his son would build the temple. And so when the temple had been fulfilled, Solomon's standing there looking at the temple, dedicating the temple to God, and he's saying, the promise you made to my father, David, your servant, you made that promise with your mouth, and you have fulfilled it with your hand. There it is. It's in the natural. It was a promise in the heart, but now it's a real thing 
in this physical realm. And so they're dedicating the temple to God, and Solomon prays this prayer. I didn't read the whole prayer. I told you to go read it. But the prayer that he prayed was, God, anytime our nation faces calamity, problem, struggle, trial, we can come to this place and we can honor your name if we will humble ourselves and pray, turn from our wicked ways, then you will heal here from heaven. And so the whole nation would gather at the temple and they would pray. It would be the the families, it would be the men, the women, the children, even little children. The whole nation would gather to come before God to give Him worship and to give Him praise. To come and inquire of the Lord. And so here Jehoshaphat, 100 years later, he gets some bad news. Anybody ever get bad news? It says, after this time, verse 1, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the, the Munites or something declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messages came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. And they're already at Hazazon. These words are epic. And Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. So what did he do? He ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting, the whole nation. I say, let us fast for three days. And the stories that I hear, the reasons why, are amazing. But here he calls the whole nation to fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Listen, if your nation is about to be annihilated and destroyed... Wouldn't you think it's not the right time to go to work? If in three days, you, your family, and everything is going to get wiped out, wouldn't you think you need to do something drastic? Like cry out to God to help you. And they understood what it meant, war meant. It meant your entire nation would be taken out. Your children would be taken into slavery. And so he called the nation together. He said, put everything aside. We're going to press into seeking God because we need to hear from heaven. And I want to encourage you, when your family is going through something, when you don't know how to break out of it, get your family together, fast and pray, and begin to seek the Lord. Humble yourselves before Him and cry out to Him, and God will turn the situation around. Can you say amen? That's not the time to be taking drugs and smoking pot, complaining, drinking. Oh, what are we going to do? i got such big problems. No, that's the time to get on your face before God and cry out to the God who answers by fire. Cry out to the God who's able to deliver you, to bring you out of a pit, to take out an army that is too big for you to handle. This is why I praise. And Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O God of our ancestors, you alone are God. There's no other. It's you and you alone who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. What is he doing? He's declaring who his God is. Isn't that what he's doing? He's saying there's nobody bigger than you. There's nobody greater than you. You are the God of the heavens. You're the God of all the kingdoms. He is 
putting himself and the nation in remembrance of who their God is. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? He's invoking the promises of God to his forefathers. You promised Abraham that this would be their land, and we are your people, and these guys are coming to attack us. Will you not rise up and take care of this enemy? Oh, our God, did you not drive them out? Yep. Did you not give this land to Abraham? Yep. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name, they said. And whenever we're faced with calamities such as war, plague, famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. And so he goes into it. And then verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. And I'm not going to get into his descendants, but he had a family line. Verse 15, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is a guy prophesying. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. And then God gives instruction. Tomorrow, march out against them. And you will find them coming up through the the ascent of Ziz. So he tells them exactly where to go. Strategy. Verse 17, it says, But you will not even need to fight. Just take your position. And stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's going to take you from victim to victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Verse 18, Then the king Jehoshaphat bows down low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Israel did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Korath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, so now they heard the word of the Lord, but now they've got to go do the word of the Lord. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will stand firm or you'll be established. Believe in His prophets and you will succeed or prosper. And so family, you have to put your trust in God Almighty. But then when the word of the Lord comes forth, you have to believe the word coming out of the mouth of the prophets. And then you've got to act in line with it. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. And this is what they said. This was their song. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because His faithful love endures forever. They were praising God for who He is, generation to generation. 
They were thanking him for his word. They were declaring that he's a mighty God who saves. They understood that if they come before the Lord and they would cry out to the Lord, when the Lord spoke and the word of the Lord came forth, that they would have their victory. At that very moment, look at the person next to you and say, the minute that you begin to praise God for what he said and for who he is, at that very moment, as you begin to sing and praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir, and they killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began to attack each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, they were on their way singing. When they got to the point where they got to the battlefield, they saw the battle was already over. All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see, and not a single one of them had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men, what did they do? They went out and got the plunder. They found vast amount of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. Look at somebody and tell them, the place where the enemy wants to destroy you, the place the enemy has designated for your death, that's the place God is going to bless you. In the presence of your enemies. What the enemy means to hurt you, to harm you, God is going to bless you. Ah, I feel it in my bones. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And they marched. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them over joys that, that the Lord had given them victory over the enemies. They marched into Jerusalem with music of harps and lyres and trumpets. And they proceeded where? To the temple of the Lord. See, this is all around the presence and the temple, and it's all around God. And when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. Can you say amen? And so family, I want you to know that when we begin to praise God for who he is, We begin to declare the names of God in our praise. We begin to call on His name. We begin to cry out to Him. He's going to hear from heaven. If you're going to humble your heart and say, you know what, I'm not fighting this battle in my own strength. And that's what we do a lot of the time. We hear bad news. And what do we do? We run to our parents. We run to the banks. We run to the credit card companies. We run to the doctors. We run to the lawyers. We run to the professionals instead of running to God. Can you say amen? And I want you to know that you need to stop running to other places first and go to God as your top priority. And when you get the strategy from heaven, and then God says, go to this bank, you'll know you'll have victory. Or he says, go see this doctor, then you'll have victory. But we have it the other way around. We don't even believe God can do the breakthrough. We don't even believe God can do miracles. We don't believe that God could heal. The first thing that we do is we run to the doctors or we run here and we run there in a panic, in fear, looking to the world to save us instead of looking to God to save us. And so I want to encourage you. It's time to start inquiring of God first. And it's time for us to understand what praise is all about and the power that is available in our praise. 
I declare to you this year that this would be the year of the fulfilling of promises. That the things that God has promised with His mouth, He's going to fulfill with His hands. And we're about to enter into the month of March where I believe God is going to speak specific things to you for this year. And before the end of the year, the very things that the Lord speaks, you're going to see fulfilled. But we're going to praise God in advance that when He speaks, it's already done. And this is going to be a year of suddenlies, and we're going to praise the whole year. And we're going to celebrate the whole year because we're going to continually see breakthroughs in every single person's life. Can you say amen? God is setting you up for breakthroughs this year. You're going to see divine turnarounds. God is going to show up on the scene and is going to deal with the enemies that have been hounding you. Like a little hound dog. Whining all the time. Some dogs are about to die. Your enemies are about to get their heads chopped off. Their mouths are going to be silenced forever. You're not going to hear that ringing in your ear any longer, confusing you where you can't have any peace on the inside of you. The atmosphere of your heart is getting ready to change. The sound is getting ready to come into your hearts where all that will come out of this mouth is a mouth of praise declaring who your God is. Can you say amen? You're going to see victory upon victory and breakthrough upon breakthrough. Shaka Zulu. So let me say this. Praise manifests the prophecy. Let me say it again. Your praise causes the promise to become a reality. That's what happened there. They began to praise God because of what He said for who He is. And the the promise broke out the minute they began to praise Him. But they knew exactly what they were doing. It wasn't just, oh, clap my hands, jump around, jump up, jump up, get down. No. It had purpose. Their hearts. See, it's about the heart. That's where we're coming back to. It's not just an outward thing for fun and entertainment. It has to do with the heart, understanding the power of praise and what you're doing, grabbing hold of the Word which gives you faith and declaring who God is. You're going to see the breakthroughs. And I think a lot of you have never understood this before. But from today forward, there's coming a shift in your praise. You're going to move to a higher realm of praise. Can you say amen? So number one, your praise causes your promises to become a reality. Secondly, your praise unlocks the provision. You're going to pick up the spoils for three days. Everything that you need for the promise to be fulfilled, the resources will come into your hands when you praise. Can you say amen? The very enemy that wanted to destroy you is the very enemy that's going to bless you. Hallelujah. You say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to close with this scripture. I have so much more to say, but I guess it's next week. Oh, wait, wait till we get into the walls of Jericho. We're going to have barrier-breaking praise. I already told you what's coming. I'm sorry. Wait for Paul and Silas. We're going to have ground-shaking praise. We're going to have chain-breaking praise. Mm. Shaka Zula, that guy. Yeah, he's the Spanish version of Shaka Zulu. 
61. Go to Isaiah. You would say Isaiah. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. This is what Jesus quoted in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, <laughs> he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and that the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. Mm-hmm. The time of favor is coming to you, and along with the favor coming to you is God's anger against your enemy. Yeah. Verse 3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give you a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, or the oil of joy. Look at somebody and say the oil of joy. He will give you festive praise instead of despair. He will give you a garment of praise for heaviness. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His own glory. They will rebuild the ancient city ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. And it goes into all the blessings that the Lord will give you. Verse 10 says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with clothing of salvation. He has draped me with a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for His wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show His justice to the nations of the world, and everyone will praise Him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. This is what I'm declaring to you. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to make a declaration over you. What you are receiving this month, number one, is the oil of joy. Look at the person next to you and say, there's an anointing for you to walk in the joy of the Lord. You're getting the oil of joy this month. You're going to see breakthroughs and joy is going to hit your life. Can you say amen? There's an anointing to break you through into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord has nothing to do with your circumstances. It's the victory that you experience in your heart in spite of the circumstances. Are you ready for number two? He's going to give you a garment of praise. Oh, there's a garment of praise being getting ready. Lift your hands to heaven right now and receive what the Lord has for you today. The Lord has for you a fresh anointing of oil. Fresh oil, God. An anointing to break them through into joy. Father, I thank you for a mantle and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Father, I thank you today for your people. Huh? That you've given them the key to victory. The power of their praise. Knowing and trusting in their God. Declaring who he is. And thanking him for what he has done. I thank you, God, that we enter your gates with thanksgiving and we come into your courts with praise. And Father, I thank you now in every heart and every life. They will never walk in defeat. They will never walk in despair. They will no longer walk under the circumstances because you have shown them the weapon of their warfare. You have shown them today the might and the power of praise. That is the platform that invokes God to move in their circumstances.
And Father, I thank you that in their hearts and minds today, there's a shift coming. And Father, that they will recognize that in the midst of the battle, they will not speak in line with the enemy's plan of destruction. They will cry out to God to save them and to deliver them. And we establish it in their hearts today. In the mighty name of Jesus, can you say amen? I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me.